It was an uneventful bye week for the Oklahoma Sooners, but several Oklahoma commits were kind of in the, I don't want to say news so much as they were the talk of the town over the last week. We're going to dig into that and we'll kick around what happened in the Big 12 over the weekend as well on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. This episode of Locked On Sooners is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Oklahoma Sooners and the Iowa State Cyclones right on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, man, how was your weekend? Oh, it was great. It was great. Uh, a lot of football, right? This uh, this weekend kind of feel like you got to sink your teeth into the entirety of the, well, first off, Big 12 slate, right? But kind of nationally, I'm sure you like myself flipping around, catching a lot of the football that was out there. Just because, again, you're not, you know, I don't want to ever say tied down by the Oklahoma game. I, You know, we all love watching Sooner football, but uh, it does free you up to kind of watch everything that maybe is going on in the same time slot. So got to do that this week and really, again, kind of sunk the teeth into what was a couple of huge games in the big 12, John. Yeah. And I mean, just nationally, there were a lot of really good games. Clemson Syracuse was really, really good, but let's start with the big 12 before we kind of get into some of the recruiting stuff, because that was really the story of the weekend. You had two top 25 matchups, both that had big 12 title game implications, On the line, you had Texas traveling to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. And then in the nightcap, you had Kansas State and TCU. You know, TCU comes away with another big win to stay undefeated over the Kansas State Wildcats. And luck of the rainbow, luck of the Irish, whatever, not not really Irish, but luck of the Horned Frog, they, uh, they got the benefit of another starting quarterback going out against them. Adrian Martinez went down early in this game. But Will Howard, man, he came out strong and played really, really well in that first half. Uh, and then himself, you know, had to go out for, for some time as well. So the TC Horn Frogs, like they were down big in this game, but as the, the first half started to kind of come to an end, you kind of started feeling that they were getting the momentum in this game. And you felt like, okay, it, it looks like it's going to be TCU's game because Kansas state really can't stop them. Yeah, you did. Uh, obviously Kansas state got off to that fantastic start in the game. Even, uh, even, even minus our man, Adrian Martinez, who they lost, you know, obviously really, really early. It was Kansas State that jumped up to that 28 to 10 lead. Uh, remember, Deuce Vaughn had the big touchdown uh, run. And then uh, obviously it was a huge score just before halftime for TCU, right? I mean, the complexion of that game, if TCU isn't able to score that, you know, cash in that 10 play drive right before half, I mean, may- maybe it turns out a little bit different for Will Howard and Kansas State. I thought Will Howard was largely great in the game, but it does go to show you that, you know, only kind of so long with a backup quarterback can maybe you keep producing. And then for TCU, man, they just, uh, they just keep coming at you in waves. And obviously they, a couple of times already this season are comfortable playing from behind. 
Duggan ends up uh, throwing for three touchdown passes. Kendra Miller really ran wild over Kansas State in this game. And once again, another really nice performance for, guess who, Quentin Johnston. So TCU, yes, it's luck of the draw versus Kansas State. But I think, you know, probably what you're most impressed by, John, is just the ability for, again, TCU to erase that big deficit. Yeah, the offense is the thing that's really stood out so much to me. And we've, we've known about QJ, like he's one of the best players in college football. But Kendra Miller, I mean, he's proving to be one of the top two or three running backs in the Big 12, like maybe top four. It's hard to, you know, Bijan Robinson, Deuce Vaughn, they're kind of in that top tier. And then after that, I mean, it could be Kendra Miller. It could be Eric Gray. Like both of those guys would have a strong argument for number three in the conference. He's playing phenomenal football, just running tough, picking up big chunk guards. It's it's really fun to watch him every single week. It was not fun to watch him a few weeks ago when he was doing the same thing against Oklahoma. But, I mean, he's just become a really fun player to watch. And it's it's kind of hard to imagine. Like, TCU had both him and Zach Evans on that roster last year and struggled to do a whole lot offensively. If TCU is able to run the table, I mean, they're, they're picking up these big wins and these ranked wins and looking impressive in the process. They're going to be making a strong push for playoff consideration. Now, a lot is going to depend on what happens with the teams ahead of them because there's a lot of undefeated teams right now in the top 10. Some of that's going to change as Michigan and Ohio state will play each other and Tennessee and Georgia will play. And then one of those two teams will play Alabama presumably in the sec title game. And so a lot could still change, but TCU is looking like a playoff contender. They, they do now granted falling behind big the way that they did John versus a Kansas state team that was down Adrian Martinez and, Look, I, I love Deuce Vaughn. I actually think uh, probably coming into this season, we, I don't want to say discredited, but didn't give enough credit to the type of playmaker that Malik Knowles is for Kansas State. So there's some good weapons offensively for the Wildcats, but I thought that was another poor case study for TCU defensively. So if you're talking about, you know, how does this TCU team across the board match up with uh, everybody nationally. They're absolutely, they're in the mix for a college football playoff berth, but they're clearly in a tier below. And, and I think you would agree with that, John, away from all of the Georgias and Ohio States and even Clemson's of the world, right? Which maybe I should be knocking Clemson a little bit for uh, what happened versus Syracuse. I guess it's maybe just the track record of Clemson that has me thinking a little bit differently about them. And of course the late quarterback change there, but uh no, they're good. I mean, they're really good offensively. I guess I'm just concerned about some of the things I've seen defensively from TCU. Yeah, and then let's talk about what happened up in Stillwater. Texas looked like they were in really good shape against the Cowboys. Had a 21-7 lead at one point in the first half and seemed to be rolling offensively. They couldn't slow down Bajan Robinson. I mean, not really many people can, but man, the Texas defense, which I thought was improved this year and was really one of the strengths of that team, they just kind of I don't want to say choked, but kind of that, like it just kind of fell apart for him in the second half. And Spencer Sanders continued to do what he's been doing for the last, you know, since the Oklahoma game last year, he's really been putting on solid performances every single week. And Oklahoma state Cowboys kept themselves in big 12 title contention with the, with the win over Texas. It was huge. Yeah. They had to find a way to get the win. Obviously. Um, I mean, could you have gotten to the big 12 championship game? with a couple of losses these past two weeks to TCU and Texas. Yeah. I mean, obviously you could have, if you, you won out and some things happened, but to split the two instead of losing both 
for Oklahoma State was gigantic. And meanwhile, just the opposite, right, for Texas. I mean, it's a fairly crippling blow to the Longhorns' uh, ability to maybe make the Big 12 championship game. So Spitzer Sanders winds up throwing for nearly 400 yards in the game, John, though it took him 57 attempts to do so. But I I thought, uh, obviously, offensively, you know, if you had concerns for Spitzer Sanders health-wise going into the game, then, uh, you know, really he answered the bell in that regard. Again, I didn't physically see a ton of things wrong with him versus TCU that were noticeable in that game. And then, you know, carrying over, obviously, to this Texas game, he, he winds up playing really, really well in the game for the most part and, and leads Oklahoma State to a victory that it had to get. I think, you know, probably the biggest takeaway, though, from this game for me, John, uh, it, it wasn't the Texas defense. It wasn't what Spencer Sanders did to said defense. It was what Quinn Ewers didn't do to Oklahoma State at a lot of different points in this game. I mean, I look, stats don't tell the whole story, right? Uh, in a game where we just mentioned Sanders throws 57 times, guess what? Quinn Ewers threw the football 49 times in this game, John, and he was missing guys left and right. He got picked off three times. He finished 19 of 49 passing. Did have 319 yards because guess what? Oklahoma State's passing defense, not necessarily world beaters, but man, he left a lot of meat on the bone out there, I thought. And he, kind of for me versus Iowa State, John probably looked at that game for Quinn Ewers in Texas and said, okay, you get you get one pass game here, right? Plus Iowa State's good defensively, we know, across the board. But this was kind of the next week coming back. You see more of just okay from Quinn Ewers. I thought that was the most alarming thing for Longhorn fans. It is alarming. I mean, 30 incompletions, like 30 of them. But I'll get I'll give him a little bit of this. First true road game for Quinn Ewers. You know, he didn't play against Texas Tech and Lubbock. The Cotton Bowl was split 50-50. Um, so, you know, Stillwater's a tough place to play. It, that Their crowd has really done a good job at creating a home field environment uh, over the last several years as they've been really, really good. And so I'm not going to hit the panic button yet, although the 30 incompletions is quite alarming. Like the crowd shouldn't impact your uh, your accuracy that bad. So it'll be something that they have to go back to the drawing board. One stat to note there is now Texas is 10 and 10 under Steve Sarkeesian. That's pretty uh, average. So who knows how much longer the Steve Sarkeesian train will roll if they aren't able to turn some things around and, and finish on a high note, you know, the, the, uh, the hot seat will get a little bit hotter for, for Sark down there in Austin, but we got a couple more games that we'll talk about and then we'll get onto some recruiting stuff here in a second. Josh is going to talk to you about one of our great new partners at Nissan. Well, we've seen some pretty incredible performances at Ohio, at, at Ohio state. We saw that too, but at Iowa state, we've seen some, some nice performances for Oklahoma, our partners at Nissan. They've worked with us, John, to create a new segment across the locked on college network. It's titled thrilling moments where of course we highlight the most exciting plays from Oklahoma's game of the weekend this past weekend with the Sooners being on a bye. We don't have that specific thrilling moment from the week that was, unless you just want to toss this thrilling moment this past weekend, John, if you had a side of Oklahoma state and Texas that you were on, then maybe just see Texas lose that game, right? Maybe that was your thrilling moment from this past weekend. I think back to a couple of years ago when you went up to Ames, Iowa, 
didn't have a running back in tow. And all of a sudden, a fullback was making a bunch of plays, I believe, on a Thursday night for that win up in Ames. So that uh, is our thrilling moment this week for Oklahoma. And we're hoping that we see, you know, another set of thrilling moments from Dylan Gabriel. The Nissan thrilling moment inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you, John, and all of you out there in the all-new Frontier, the Armada, or the Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. And, uh, of course, we would tell you out there always as well. Thanks for making Locked On. Soon as your first listen each and every day. For your second listen today, go check on, go check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the uh, the most to the biggest stories in sports, you can go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. That's Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So the uh, rest of the Big 12 slate, uh, obviously the two big games, we've dissected those. Uh, you know, the, the winners there for TCU and Oklahoma State sort of solidifying themselves, maybe, as that being, again, down the line. We saw it last week. Maybe that's what's going to wind up being the Big 12 championship game. The uh, other results looked like this in the final score column. Texas Tech all over West Virginia. I did not see this result coming. 48-10 to 10 down in Lubbock. And uh, Baylor holds off Kansas 35-23. to 23. So take your pick, whichever you want to start with first, John. What did you make of these two games in the Big 12? Let's start with West Virginia. How in the world do you score 43 points nine days later, only score 10 against Texas Tech? Yes, you're on the road. You scored 43 against Baylor on a Thursday night, and then you go nine days later and you only score 10 against Texas Tech. Please, somebody make sense of that to me. I don't understand how that works for West Virginia. They're obviously a better offensive team than that. They just didn't travel for some reason. They didn't show up well. And some of that is going to be on Graham Harrell, your offensive coordinator, JT Daniels, your quarterback. But at some point, somebody at West Virginia is going to have to make a decision on Neil Brown. It's just not working there. Like They're not showing any kind of improvement during his tenure. Defensively, which is what he was known for coming to Morgantown, it's not working out either. Again, Barrett Morton, a guy that was apparently hobbled, fighting a bug, a flu bug, or a virus, I should say, not a flu bug, but a virus, the, the week leading into it, goes off for over 300 yards against your defense. you got to be better than that. You've got especially after you just showed that you can play at least like passable offense, even though you weren't able to stop Baylor, you'd think that you'd be able to, to slow down Texas Tech a little bit and be able to score a little bit against Texas Tech. Texas Tech was allowing... I think it was something more than 30 points a game or right around 30 points a game heading into the matchup. So you'd think that you'd be a little bit better than that. So West Virginia is really disappointing. And yeah, you know, in my power rankings this week, as soon as wire for the big 12, I dropped them. Like they dropped like a, a lead, a lead brick. I don't know. A drop like a brick. Can't think of the analogy here, but just flabbergasted by that performance. I really, and not just because I picked them, but I just really expected it to be a more competitive game on that front. Yeah, I hear you. Is it dropped like a lead balloon? Is that yeah, the there it is. <laughs> I I don't know if that's right or wrong, but uh, I'm mixing metaphors over here tonight. All good. I'll allow it for West Virginia. To your point, right there, man. Uh, you just kind of look at what the schedule has been so far for Neil Brown and for West Virginia. Uh, you know, Pitt 
you're not going to get dinged too much for going to Pitt and losing, though. Now we look up, and guess what? Pitt's a four and three football team, right? That, okay, lost a close game to Tennessee. No shame in that, but has lost to Georgia Tech and Louisville, right? That's a that's an average Pitt team. You lost that game. Okay, at home versus Kansas. This is a program that appears to be on the uptick, John, but has been down in the Big 12 cellar for a long, long time. Can't lose that game, right, at home versus Kansas. That's not a game where if you're trying to keep your gig, you can afford to lose. Texas, again, uh, on the road down in Austin, didn't really necessarily feel like that 38-20 loss was close. Inspiring hope versus Baylor, and then to turn around and get your doors blown off the way that West Virginia did 48-10. to I think you're right. That might wind up being kind of the kiss of death here for Neil Brown's run in Morgantown because guess what? There's still still plenty of difficult games left on this schedule. They turn around and they play TCU coming up this weekend. I don't see an upset there for West Virginia. Uh, you know, road trip to Iowa State sounds imposing. Uh, Oklahoma is going to be favored over West Virginia, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. I mean, there's a lot of losses left for West Virginia. So I think you nailed it. Uh, the fact that you got to win over Baylor the way you did, and then you turn around and you're that hapless, probably that's uh, – the sign that this thing is not going to end the way that Neil Brown wanted it to. Uh, Kansas kind of looks like maybe this thing, though it started off great, John, 5-0 and on the season. I think they're in legitimate danger to lose seven straight to close the year. Yeah, they look like a completely different team without Jalen Daniels. I thought Jason Bean was going to be good enough to keep them afloat. Uh, But, yeah, they, they got down bad. To, to Baylor down 28-3, the dreaded 28-3 at halftime uh, to the Baylor Bears. And, you know, Kansas was able to get it within five uh, at one point in this game, 28-23 before Baylor kind of finally put it away. And so it, it was an interesting game, like Baylor being able to jump out to that leader, like, okay, Baylor is starting to like really turn some things around here. And then to let Kansas back into the game the way that they did, you're like, okay, that leaves a little bit to be desired. I'm not quite sure Baylor is who we – think they could be yet um so you know coming off of a performance where they allowed west virginia to go for 43 who couldn't score more than 10 against tech and then you know letting kansas back into the game the way that they did i think still we we don't quite know who baylor is yet but i think you're right kansas definitely is in some some they're in some trouble the schedule's not going to get any easier for them either 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 and so you know jason bean's gonna have to find out to to figure out some more efficiency um, down the stretch because you know the big 12 is i i feel like it's this any given saturday kind of a league right now where anybody can be anybody it doesn't matter what's happened the week before as we're seeing every single week you know one team can jump up and, and get another one even if you're the favorite that doesn't mean anything right now in this big 12 and it's a lot of fun if you're not part of the fan base that's watching that game but uh it, it creates some interesting drama otherwise so yeah kansas i feel like they've they've Still got a ways to go. They've got some steps that they got to make. Um, get Jalen Daniels back, and that I think that makes a big difference uh, for their seasonal outlook and their kind of their outlook for at least next year. Uh, but it's it's a team that is still got some promise to it. And you know, as kind of a quasi Big Twelve fan, maybe it keeps Lance Leipold in Lawrence a little bit longer if if the season doesn't end necessarily on a high note. So a lot of fun times in the Big Twelve. Yeah, no, that's an interesting angle to it. Is you know, is it losing for the greater good, right, with Coach Leipold? Uh, if you, you know, don't win one one more of these games the rest of the way to get the bowl eligibility to all of a sudden Nebraska and Wisconsin 
look elsewhere, right? Which those would be the two openings that kind of you feel like Lance Leipold would uh, obviously get linked to. Oklahoma State at Tech, Texas, and at Kansas State, by the way, the uh, remainder of the schedule for Kansas. Does not sound easy. No, this is going to be tough. And like I said, every single week in the Big 12, the schedule is tough. I mean, Oklahoma still got Iowa State, West Virginia, Baylor, and Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State left to go. And all five of those, you know, going to Morgantown is never easy, no matter what West Virginia looks like. And they're such an up and down team. Could you get the 43-point West Virginia team or the 10-point West Virginia team? You don't know. You're This week, you're traveling on the road to go face Iowa State, which is the best defense in the Big 12. What's their offense going to look like? Can your defense stop their offense? We're going to break a lot of that down this week, but it's it's a tough slate for every single team in the Big 12. And, and so it's going to be a really fun finish uh, to the conference season. We'll see who ends up making it to Arlington uh, for that first weekend in December. But coming up next, we're going to talk some recruiting news, a little news and nuggets uh, from the last week or so about a couple prospects, Jackson Arnold and Colton Vasek. But first, let me talk to you about Locked On, or sorry, Sweat Block, here on Locked On, uh, if you've been dealing with some of the the changing temperatures here in Oklahoma, like I've been, I mean, it was really, really cold earlier this week. And today I was sweating out in the bla- you know, the blistering wind of Oklahoma, eastern Oklahoma. The wind was going so fast and the sun was beating down on me. I started sweating and I couldn't, it just wasn't slowing down. But this is why we got sweat block. Sweat block is a great place to or a great option to control excessive sweating, control some excessive odor. If you have issues with that, or you know somebody that does, make sure you go check out Sweatblock. You can get 20% off using our promo code locked on over at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. It's doctor recommended and doctor created, and it's been featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters as well. So go check out Sweatblock at sweatblock.com. Use our promo code locked on. Again, also available on Amazon. All right, Josh, a couple of the, you know, we got to talk about Jackson Arnold's big game. I mean, so Denton Geyer playing Allen, Allen, one of the premier high school, you know, football programs in the state of Texas and absolutely lambasted them. Like it was a drubbing that Allen hasn't had as far back as, as max prep goes on the internet. Like I, I went back through every season of Allen high school football to see when was the last time they got beat as bad as Denton Geyer beat them? And there wasn't one dating back to 2004. That's as far back as the database goes. So Jackson Arnold just continually putting on these strong performances week after week after week and kind of making everybody pretty much forget about the quarterbacks that were committed, the quarterback that's committed to Texas in the same recruiting class. And making everybody kind of forget about all the things that are happening right now with Oklahoma. Like, Hey, things might be bad right now, but it's okay. Jackson Arnold's coming. Jackson Arnold to the rescue, right? His numbers in that game, John, are just ridiculous. I've got them right here. 25 of 28 passing for 334 yards, four touchdowns. And Oh, by the way, he also ran it seven times for 78 yards and a score against an Allen program like you're talking about right there. It's just, he's really, really good. He's really, really good. I mean, obviously he's a five-star talent now for a reason for Oklahoma. And you're hoping that that's going to wind up translating at OU figure that it probably will. Right. I mean, we've seen uh, five stars here recently and 
I would argue that it more or less, uh, you know, I mean, we saw positive things from both. Uh, obviously, you know, the end of the Rattler run was not what people were looking for, but you did win a Big 12 championship the season before uh, with Spitzer Rattler, and we see what Caleb Williams is doing at USC now. So the track record at Oklahoma of a five-star quarterback coming in and playing right away and being impactful right away, John, it's there, right? I mean, we've seen that uh, in recent memory at Oklahoma. So I'm not saying that uh, Jackson Arnold, you need to be anything like either Rattler or Caleb Williams, but Hey, uh, there is uh, there is that there, right? That if Oklahoma is in, in search of a quarterback as soon as next year or the year after that, that we've seen uh, some true freshmen or redshirt freshmen make solid, solid impacts at OU. And I think Jackson Arnold can be that guy. Yeah, what's impressive to me and the thing that really has stood out the more I watch him is the speed. Like, we know the arm talent's there. We know he's he can make all the throws. He was the Elite 11 MVP uh, at the, the All-Star kind of tournament quarterback showcase this summer. So the arm talent is there. Of that, there's no doubt. But the thing that really has jumped off the, the screen this this fall is the speed. Is just ability to, to get down the field and, and run away from guys. Like, run away from really, really good defenders because he's just fast. Like he's got good long speed. And so that's going to be really fun, you know, to have him, you know, part of this offense at some point. Now I'm not saying we got to design run Jackson Arnold a lot when he gets to Norman, please just, you know, keep it minuscule. Let's let him throw the football because let's not get our quarterback hurt. But that's a really impressive option that, that the Oklahoma Sooners are going to have. And the most important thing is what he said after the game is that he is locked in and he cannot wait to get to Norman after taking care of business in Texas 6A football. I mean, the dude is he's locked in, and I think that should reassure everybody regarding Oklahoma's future, not just at quarterback, but in the 2023 recruiting class and just in general as a program. It's going to be okay. Like this season, it's down – in a way that we haven't seen since the mid nineties, but everything is still going to be okay. Brent Venables is still the coach that all these recruits still believe in. Jeff Levy's offense is still going to be able to uh, recruit highly productive, high star uh, talents to Norman. And so both on both sides of the football, this thing is a work in progress, but it's going to get there because you've got two of the very best at what they do running both the offense and the defense for the Oklahoma Sooners. Secondly, got to talk about Colton Vasek for a little bit because he's a name that's popped up a lot recently. Uh, he did you know, go to Austin, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before uh, for their game against, I can't remember who it was. Um, Maybe it was West Virginia that they played that week, but he was in, he was in Austin for that one. And so it kind of sent this flurry of, um, you know, is Colton Vasek going to, going to flip to Texas is he going to stay committed to Oklahoma? Is Texas in a better spot? So we don't know what this is going to be. And this isn't my recruiting pitch at all to Colton Vasquez. He doesn't even listen to this show. But here's what I'm going to say. For those folks that believe that Texas is somehow in a much more superior place than Oklahoma is right now, a lot's changed in a week. Texas always had the better NIL game. I think of that most people are pretty – certain of we can kind of state that as a fair argument um you know texas you know you could talk the facilities you could talk a lot of things where texas was you know already in a good spot like the recruiting has always been better in oklahoma based on 24 7 sports recruiting rankings generally speaking they they finish better than oklahoma does but nothing else has changed really 
Like nothing has changed except for Oklahoma's record. And if you think the record itself is going to be enough to flip some of these guys, then I feel like that's a little bit short-sighted. And for Oklahoma and Texas, Colton Vassig, a, a Texas legacy living in Austin to pick Oklahoma in the first place, it was more than just what happens on the field. It was the defensive development that he believes he's going to get in Norman. It's Brent Venables. It's the culture that's going to be, that's getting established is on the way to being established. It wasn't about NIL. It wasn't about arch. He knew arch was committed to, to Texas. Like that's not changed. Yes. He visited. He's that's his prerogative. He can go and visit wherever he wants to visit. Being, being a Texas legacy, who knows if he, it was even a visit, just his dad went and watched the game. And so he went too. like, it's just going to happen. I don't think anybody should panic. I don't think there's any reason to panic until he decides to, to sign with Texas. And that could very well happen, but Texas is not all of a sudden in a far superior position than Oklahoma is. The things that were true about the two schools in the recruiting battle are still true. You know, Brent Venables is still Brent Venables. The culture that he's going to establish is still the culture. Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, they're still really good recruiters. So to me, nothing has changed here. And I think this is still going to be Oklahoma. I still think Colton Vasek is still going to um, end up a sooner. And while there's still a lot of, you know, a lot of things that can happen, early signing periods coming, national signing day will be there. If he was going to commit to Texas, he would have already committed to Texas. Because the only thing that's changed is that Oklahoma's lost a few games. That's the only thing that's changed. Agreed. And I think one thing that could be changing back in the opposite direction, and you you wish that it had, uh, you know, just one week ago, is that Texas still has to play the rest of its schedule, too. And all of a sudden, they got to go to Kansas State. We'll see about Adrian Martinez's status. If he's okay to play, then, look, I like Kansas State to win that game. They have to play TCU. I like TCU to win that game. They have to go to Kansas. We'll find out about Jalen Daniels' status as well. But uh, if Jalen Daniels is healthy by the time that game rolls around, or even if it's Jason Bean, John, I, I would pick Texas to win that game right now today. But if Daniels is playing, I, I might be I might be swapping that pick and taking Kansas. So the idea that, to your point, Texas is just head and shoulders above Oklahoma right now, yeah, they beat OU 49 to nothing, and they spanked them in the Cotton Bowl. There's no getting around that. But Dylan Gabriel did not play in that game. We haven't seen the way the rest of Oklahoma's story plays out in 2022, and we haven't seen it for Texas either. So I'm with you. I, I just, you know, the recruiting front, I don't think there's any reason to panic until there's a reason to panic, right? Until we see that first decommit come down, which we haven't seen those yet. And I don't think that we're going to because you got Jackson Arnold still in tow. Everybody the offensive line guys, they still seem to be fully committed. Every, everybody that's posted on Twitter. I mean, they're, they're still in. And so like you, you, there's a security there. All these guys, they believe like things are going to get better. Brent Venables is still the guy. They believe in what is being built in Norman. And that's the thing that matters. Like, you know, to, to flip a commitment over what's happening this season is just short-sighted. They're not going to, they can't concern themselves with this season because 
they're not going to be here this season. They're they're playing in 2023. They're they, most of them might not even play till 2024, 2025. So like make decisions for 2024 and 2025 based on what's happening in 2022 would be a bit short-sighted. Now, high school kids with high school, you know, thoughts and things like that, I wouldn't put it past them. But again, never going to criticize a kid if he decides to commit or or flip or, or decommit or flip or whatever. That's their that's going to be their prerogative. I'm just saying that the Texas is not at all in a far superior position than Oklahoma. And nothing has really changed since Colton Vasek's commitment, in my opinion. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Again, thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Also, go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast for your second listen from the games that matter to the the most to the biggest stories in sports go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only locked on can provide locked on sports today available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts until next time. He's Josh Helmer. Follow him on Twitter at Josh on ref. I'm John Williams. Follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams. You can follow the show on Twitter at locked on Sooners and on Facebook locked on Sooners podcast. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast for free and available on all platforms. We'll catch you then as we start to get ready for Iowa State. Boomer, sooner.